This is episode eight of the Bearded Carcast, season two. Where have you been? You can check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Freeman. Very glad to be joined by our good buddy Reggie Walker, played football at Penn State. He was uh, with the Panthers briefly and uh, now does some analysis and uh, also a former producer at ESPN. And we're glad you're joining us here on the Bearded Carcast. Thanks for having me, man. This is uh, it's an honor. I, I feel uh, inadequate in the beard category currently. But well, I'll, I'll get there right now. Yeah, it's more than mine right <laughs> yeah, now. That's right. That's, that's awesome. Right. So hey, let's. I mean, let's dive right in, right? Because uh, you know we were all nervous about the, or at least I was nervous. Break it to Mike. <laughs> the Patriots are not going to the Super Bowl. I, well, here's the thing. I, I would I, trust me as a guy that is just sick of that franchise. It's hard for me to say that because. Um, defensively, they're actually legit. I can't say the same about the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's where my issue comes in is because in the playoffs, with the exception of the Patriots, you have to run the football and play defense. We know the Patriots don't run the football. It doesn't matter to them, but they play defense. And when you add up the fact that Bill Belichick has seen Pat Mahomes before, that's that tells you he's going to have a plan for him. So it's going to be interesting to see what Andy Reid comes up with and then particularly on the defensive side of the ball, what the Chiefs come up with to alleviate that short and intermediate passing game of Tom Brady to slow that offense down. Because I, I tell you what, watching them against the Chargers, and that defense is actually pretty good. Uh, it's it's above the middle of the pack. I think it's a top 10 defense generally, uh, statistically in the league. That defense had no business being on the same field with that, that Patriots offense. And I just wonder, with the Chiefs being less – effective if you will how dangerous and how much they can really impact and affect Tom Brady from that standpoint I think the Chargers were done they had played a million road games it was going from west coast to east coast twice in two weeks and with the Patriots they had two weeks to prepare for the game they had the bye week the Chargers had to play again I don't see how the Patriots guard Tyree Kill they've had no success stopping him previously how do they stop him this week well I I think the answer is uh, and you're going to see a lot of a cover two out of Belichick. Um, and then what he does in the red zone, it's a, it's a coverage called two buster. Uh, Nick Saban runs it a lot as well, where they essentially bracket you um, on both sides of the ball. They kind of, it's almost, it looks weird because it's done with three guys on both sides. So it's an interesting kind of combo coverage. Um, so you'll see a lot of that with Tyreek Hill. They'll just put a safety over the top, keep everything underneath. Because the other thing I've always said about explosive offenses like the Chiefs and Andy Reid's offenses in particular, historically is, Make them be patient. If you make them have to go 16, 17 plays to get a touchdown, there will be a mistake because they'll get greedy. That's going to be the key for for Belichick. Now, I, I say all that. The concept is easy. The execution is the hard part. Well, when you have one of the best tight ends in the NFL, if you're paying that much attention right. to Hill, what does that leave the defense to cover You know, Kelsey or uh, – um, no, that's the exact point. You 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 hit the the nail on the head with that. You've got to make a decision. Does Tyreek Hill beat me deep, or does Travis Kelsey kill me underneath? Right. And they march down the field. And what you've got to hope and expect is that the 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 Chiefs say, okay, if you're going to take Ty, Tyreek Hill away, we're still going to force a couple to him and try to make those plays. And make a couple of mistakes. That's the only thing you can hope for. Well, and the one thing the Patriots have benefited from, and it's been up and down because of injuries, but now they have a running game. Sony Michelle's healthy. Right. And they can do kind of, I mean, look, the, the game plan against the Chiefs was simple. Ball control. They kept Phillip Rivers off the field. Now, it helped that they scored in their first four possessions. I don't know. Do you that, think it's a really high-scoring game? No, I don't. I don't think I, so. I think this is one of those 24-20, uh, maybe 27-21 type of games. I don't think anyone touches the 40s. Uh, definitely not the 40s. I'm not sure anyone gets in the 30s in this game. I think it's a lower-scoring game. Um, and, and look, I, to your point, I think the Chargers, to your point, are, they are and were allergic to prosperity. I've said for years, I love Phillip Rivers. He's Dan Fouts. He's going to put up Hall of Fame numbers, put throw a whole bunch of touchdown passes, not going to win the big, big games, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Anthony That's just Lynn what he is. may be the coach of the year, but I think he has one career playoff win. Andy Reid, who has had difficulty maybe in the big game, has been there and done that. That's right, and th- and that's what I think is going to help Andy Reid. Uh, the difference is Belichick's been there way too many times. Are these the four best coaches in the NFL that are still alive? Uh, I, You know what? You'd be hard-pressed to say they aren't. 
Um, I think I think you can keep uh, in the argument. You can you can have Pete Carroll in there. Yep. Um, because he's to me, he's one of the better coaches in the league. Um, but other than that, I, I I think yeah, I think not only are these probably the four best coaches, these are probably the four best teams uh, we have left uh, in the NFL. Sean Payton certainly one of the best play callers uh, with with the Saints and what they do and uh, his synergy with. Drew Brees is something that's just unheard of. The way they prepare, they yeah. sit down the night before every game and kind of go through their top 10 or 15 plays that they really, really like. Their preparation is unmatched as far as I'm concerned uh, with the way they, they're symbiotic. Part of that is with the Patriots, you think about, well, Tom Brady and Belichick, they're synonymous with each other. Belichick is kind of more of a defensive guy uh, than an offensive guy. So that's where I think you have a little bit of – I wouldn't call it disconnect, but they're not as close well, the sink as, on the Brady pa- and, as Breeze and Peyton. Right, but the sink on the Patriots side is with McDaniels and Correct. Brady. Correct. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and look, Tom Brady, uh, the fact that you know McDaniels is the constant, but whether it's quarterbacks, coaches, or other coaches, uh, generally quarterbacks, coaches – that have been a part of that organization. Those Tom Brady's gotten a whole bunch of guys' jobs yeah. because he yeah. quote they quote coached him for a year, right. and I would argue that he probably coached right. them for a year. I mean, when like you've watched coach. the NFL this season, do you see Tom Brady as what he was eight years ago, or do you see kind of a B minus Tom Brady? He's still really good. He's still a top ten quarterback, but do you see him the same way you look at Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees at this point? No, I look at him. It, this is going to sound really, really weird. But I look at Tom Brady now like Peyton Manning after the neck injury. Uh, Tom Brady right now, uh, he's using so much more of his brain. Uh, If you look at some of the throws he makes, even some of the shortest throws, he's throwing the ball so early because his mind is telling him to get rid of it because he knows if he waits that beat longer like he has in the past, his arm can't get it there. So his ability to adapt to to a uh, physically diminishing skill set but using the brain power to get ahead of it. So um, he understands how, it, it, how absolutely, his body works. Absolutely. Yeah. He's understanding his body and his brain, and he's using, you know, he's sort of flipping the script, if you will, and using the brain even more now. And he's always been a smart guy. Right. But he's using the brain even more now than he has to, than he's had to in the past because he knows the arm's kind of failing. Is there any thought for Andy Reid to say, we're going to cut off everything within 10, 12 yards of the line of scrimmage, and if this old guy can beat me over the top without any fast receivers, so be it. That's what you try to do, and I think that's what every team in the league, if you really think about it, that's what every team in the league uh, tries to do, and it just doesn't work. And, and part of it is because every now and then they can hit you deep, um, and, and that's all they need is they, they hit one, and then you go, oh, wait, they can do that. And then everything underneath opens back up. It's funny. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and this is in no way a shot at Tom Brady. But you think about it. Alex Smith has been known as check down Charlie his entire career. Tom Brady's leading receiver, 87 catches, James White. No one says a word. But that's because Tom Brady has five Super Bowl rings. What are you going to say to a guy that has all those championships? But at the end of the day, a lot of times, he's playing the check down Charlie role as well. If Bill Belichick wasn't involved in this game, wouldn't we have to like Kansas City in kind of an overwhelming sort of way? Yes, I think so. But I think the interesting thing about this, even though it's Kansas City, um, I'm curious to see. I saw some weather reports that it might be blizzard-like conditions out there. Yeah, and cold. That's what fixes things for the Patriots because Tom, he wants to go underneath. He wants to go short. Patrick Mahomes wants to push the ball down the field. It's harder to do that in the wind and driving rain or snow or whatever they're going to get. It's a little bit harder. And so with that being said, Andy Reid's going to have to adapt to the conditions and play a little bit more of the intermediate to short passing game and allow Patrick Mahomes to try to win the game that way. Don't sleep on this Patriots running game. No, it's I mean, good I, enough. Sonny Michelle, uh, look, it, it's interesting to me, and you go back and you look at it, it's interesting to me. I would argue the two best, at least rookie running backs this year were on the same team in college last year, and that's Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. Yeah. Nick Chubb did a great job with Cleveland this year, and we've seen what Sonny Michelle can do. Great job last week uh, against the Chargers, really setting the tone early in that ball game, getting the football in the end zone in the running game. It's going to be interesting to see – how Kansas City adapts, and if they can or are willing to just run the football, which is something we know Andy Reid is not really in love with historically. But 
We've always said it. In the playoffs, you got to run the football and you got to play defense. The Chiefs don't run it, and the Chiefs don't have a great defense. This is a bigger picture type question, but you mentioned the good young running backs. But we're also seeing at the same time in the playoffs, C.J. Anderson, who's been cut twice this year, play a major role. Philip Lindsay, who was an afterthought in the draft, was one of the best running backs in the league this year. Is the running back position important anymore? It is, and and while people may want to say it's a passing league, at the end of the day, you have to run the football because I, I, I'm a I was a defensive back, right? And I'm going to help in the running game, but if I don't have to worry about it, and all I have to do is read tendencies in the passing game, my life is that much easier. You have to have some semblance of a running game. But do you have to, to have an A-level runner? Because you can use the number two pick on Saquon Barkley, or you can get Philip Lindsay in the fourth round. Uh, on paper, uh, statistically and from a uh, talent standpoint, do you have to have an A-list runner? No. You just have to have an A-list producer. And what teams are finding is there are guys that can produce at that position at all levels of the draft. Yep. And that's all you have to do is find the right guy. I thought... Um, You know, with the addition of C.J. Anderson for the Rams, I thought that was a great addition for them because you've at the end of the day, you've got to have two backs that can do kind of two different things because what that does, that's an additional element that when that different guy comes in the football game, defensively, you have to process what type of player that guy is. That's one more thing to make a defensive player think about. And when you do that, that adds to the versatility that you have on the offensive side of the football. That's the Cowboys. I mean, they, they took Ezekiel Elliott. Was a top four pick? Was it yeah, four? yeah, he was. The, yeah. Well, and, the and they would about, say he was worth that pick. Yeah, he was. The problem is now, they. and if you go back and think when they were and and able to have success in the past, they generally had two or three guys, whether it was Tashar Choice yeah. or some of the different guys. Right now, they have one guy. And I think you, you have to have your bell cow running back. With the Rams, it's Gurley. Uh, you know, you look around with the Patriots, it's Sony Michelle. Um with the uh the 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 Saints, it's Camara. But here comes Mark Ingram. Yeah. Here comes CJ Anderson. Yeah. When you have that addition, it really adds to those things and, and when those guys hit a big play, then you've got a capable guy that can come in on the next snap and create another big play when the defense is tired. That brings up a really interesting question. You were talking about playing defense and being able to focus on one thing or having to think about a whole bunch of things. When the Saints bring Taysom Hill in, and Taysom Hill has had a really good statistical season as kind of that Swiss Army knife that does a lot of things, but when he comes in the game, sometimes you're taking Drew Brees out of the game. How much of playing him has to do with the other team spending time, valuable time, game planning for him? It, it does impact your game plan. It impacts the, the process of preparation. Uh, I think the most important thing Sean Payton did uh, with Taysom Hill actually was this past week when he had him throw the football. Yeah. Because for the most part, I think it was something like uh, whenever he was on the field, it was like almost 80% of the time they ran the football. You got to change that number. You can't, it can't be that predictable to go. It can't be the Wildcat. Right, right, right. It's got to have some passing components in it. And when you do that, now I really, really have something, a lot of things to prepare for. And it wasn't just a short pass or a screen or some gimmick. They pushed the football down right. the field with Taysom well, Hill and, and, and he hit it. They didn't take Drew Brees out. They just put him out, like flanked him as a. Yeah, now, I, I don't love that because the other piece of it is. Now and, you get Drew Brees hurt. And there may be something in the playbook. Why are you putting him out there if he's not really a threat in this play? Right. Take him you're off the 10 field. On 11. Yeah. Right. You're playing 10 on 11. Now, at some point when someone goes, I'm not going to go out there and cover Drew Brees, they're going to throw it to him. Right. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. As soon as he catches it, he is going to find the sideline immediately. <laughs> um, but Or to your point, he's going to get rocked. And that's the whole thing is, uh, I'm with you. If or maybe he, Sean Payton's setting something up. He, he may yeah. be. And that's what I thought great, that when I saw it. That's what great play callers yeah. do. They set something up. We haven't seen it yet. But again, we didn't see Philly special until the Super Bowl last right. year. So whether it's Taysom Hill or C.J. Anderson, at the end of the game, it's a tight game. You're trying to go to the Super Bowl. Do you trust ha handing the ball off to that guy as opposed to Kamara or Gurley, one of these high-priced elite players? Absolutely. There is no way on God's green earth, in critical moment, do you put the ball in the hands of Taysom Hill when you got Kamara, Mark Ingram, and yeah. Drew Brees on the same team? There, I, like, I, I get your point, and there's always that thought, but there is no way Sean Payton does that. 
There's just no way. Um, and, and I liken that to, and it's not really a similar situation, but if you go back to the SEC championship game with Georgia, if you're going to fake a punt, yeah. first of all, Justin Fields, and here's the thing that people don't understand about that particular play, not to take us on a tangent, but take us, take us. that play um, and what Alabama did defensively, to the credit of the players, Nick Saban didn't diagnose that. The players did. They realized, hey, coach, one is not a part of their punt unit. Right. We know one should not be on the field right now. And Nick saw that with a player ex- explaining that to him and sent the defense back on the field. That was done by the players understanding the game plan and how they're taught. The same thing even more so would be the case in the National Football League. If all of a sudden you see Taysom Hill run out there, they're going to process, "Hey, that's 7, not 9." And we know what the playbook entails. These guys really understand that. That's how college football and then the national football even more so works. I think we need Karma to, to give her. Yeah, we're joined by Reginald Walker, and Karma is making a cameo appearance. The Bearded Carcast, you can be a part of it, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. The way to email us are at beardedcarcast. The Rams and the Saints, the NFC Championship game, the first maybe six, eight weeks of the year, the Rams were the can't-do-wrong team. Now it seems like the public perception likes the Saints more. Is there any reason to believe this isn't the two best teams in the NFL that should play a really competitive game to the wire? They they are up there in terms of the two best teams. I don't know if I would put them as the two best. I feel like... Um, you're probably looking – I think the Saints are probably the best team. Um, the Rams are probably more talented in terms of man per man. Um, but I think the Saints are the best team. And then I would argue the two AFC teams are in between those two really? teams. Uh, which, is, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that necessarily after the first three or four weeks of the season. I remember I was in the barbershop. I think the Patriots were maybe one and two or something like that. They just didn't look good early in the year. There's one guy in the barbershop that's a Patriots fan. And and I, I always get asked the questions when I walk in the barbershop. And a couple guys go, are the Patriots done? I said, hold on a second. You do not count 12 and Belichick out yeah. until you're about 10 weeks into the season. Calm down. We're going to see where they end up. And now you look at them there in the AFC Championship game. So that's the epitome of that franchise and that organization when you look at where the Patriots are right now. Um, and then in terms of just those four teams in particular – and then when you look at the Saints and, and, and the Rams. But why do you think the Rams are the fourth best team remaining? Because I think the Rams still have an identity crisis. That's part of the problem. Number one, they've, they're ridiculously talented on defense. They don't perform that well consistently. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, they need to accept that they are a ground-and-pound football team that likes to go ground-and-pound and then play action and try to hit you down the field. They try to play this more wide-open style and throw the football around. That's not what they do best. Why they did need- that work early and hasn't worked late? Because people figured out that it's an impatient offense, so, so they make Jared Goff check it down. They make them march down the field. It, it's I used to say this all the time uh, back in the mid-2000s with the old USC offenses with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and those guys. They are so explosive. They are so dynamic. They're used to two snaps and getting a touchdown. When you make them go 13, 14, 15, 16 snaps, they get impatient. Quarterbacks try to force a big play. And interceptions happen. Prime example, look at Alabama, Tua Tungavailoa, in the national championship game. The second pick, why are you throwing that football into three defenders against a three-deep zone when you had an easy out route right underneath that? That's being greedy. That's because the deep ball has been there all season long. And when it's not there, as you saw in the national championship game, he didn't know where to go with the football. And that became an issue for Alabama, and that's what got them blown out of the national championship game. So you think the Rams and Saints is a good game or no? I do. I think it's going to be a good game because I think the Rams, uh, if they didn't, they better have realized last week they got to run the football. Yeah. They've got Todd Gurley. They've got C.J. Anderson. They've got that big physical offensive line. Run the football. That's You spent money on that offensive line to protect Jared Goff and open holes for Todd Gurley. You gave Todd Gurley a monstrous contract. Ride his shoulders and thighs, if you will, because that guy <laughs> is built like a Mack truck in the yeah. lower half. Him and C.J. Anderson. Ride those guys to the Super Bowl. You don't need to ride Jared Goff's rifle of an arm to the Super Bowl. You can ride your running game to the Super Bowl. The first game you thought would be lower scoring. What about that one? On paper, it looks like a rematch of the first time they played in a lot of points. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of points. And, and the main reason is because these are two offenses um, that know how to attack each other. 
uh, defensively from that standpoint. And, I, and Drew Brees is just one of those guys. He's going to make enough plays to put up some points. And then on the flip side, it's going to be such a, a high-paced game, high-tempo game. You're going to see points that it's just going to be one of those games. You look up, it's going to be a you know, 38-31, 38-34 type of football game because these are two offenses that can just score and move up and down the field. our bearded car cast glad to be joined by reginald walker played college football at penn state trevor lawrence was the best player in the national title game and two was pretty darn good too and neither of those guys are eligible for the nfl draft is that in any way problematic because if you're trevor lawrence or at least the people that are talking to trevor lawrence you could make an argument that he shouldn't play the next two years I, and i understand that and i totally get it here's here's the one the one uh anecdote i would use um he's 19 years old barely um and i'm gonna tell you something it's a different level in the nfl physically um can he make all the throws absolutely uh will he be able to read all the defenses we don't know yet um and that's going to be the interesting thing as he continues to progress, because all of these guys, they're going to run into somebody that they're or defense that they're not reading as well. You know, you listen to the people now, they say Tua all of a sudden, quote, didn't see it very well um, in the national title game against Clemson. When it comes to Trevor Lawrence, I, I use I use this name and, and it's a different position. Uh, but a lot of people forget a kid named Amobi Okoye. He was one of the early picks of the Houston Texans. He graduated from Clemson, ironically, at 19 years old. Got to Clemson at 16. He was a defensive tackle. Uh, this was in the mid to late 2000s. Uh, he was in the league, was an early-round pick, I think a second-round pick, maybe even a first-round pick, at 19 years old. Washed out of the league in five years. He just physically couldn't catch up um, from that standpoint at the position. Had a lot of raw talent, had a lot of potential, if you will, uh, and washed out because in the NFL, you got to produce right away or they'll move on to the next guy who yeah. may be a little bit younger that can produce. And so I would argue that's part of the issue for a 19-year-old kid like Trevor Lawrence going to the NFL. Uh, the other piece of it is, and, and I say this all the time, and I, I want people to really understand where I'm going with this. You guys know this very well. The NBA rule, one and done. The NFL rule, three and out. Those are not NCAA rules. So right. while everyone is piling on the NCAA for, quote, making these kids stay, it's not the NCAA it's the NBA and the NFL rules right. that are forcing these kids to stay in school as long as they are. Uh, so with that being said, I caution people, if you're going to pile on someone for the rule or the lack of opportunity for these kids to go make money with their skills, pile on the professional leagues, not the college, because college has never changed their policy. The only thing they changed years ago was they made freshmen eligible because years ago in the 70s and 60s, right. freshmen weren't even eligible. Right. That's the only difference we're seeing now as opposed to the 70s. Now, is this the best system or does maybe uh, is the hockey model maybe better where you can draft a player, but then they can stay in school, but then if they want to come out after the first year or the second year or the third year? Um, I, think, I, I think there is a model. Um, I kind of like baseball more than anything. Um, you don't have to go to college, but if you do, you're going to stay for a certain amount of time, period. Um, I think it can be two years. Um, I think – look, here's my thing with basketball because it's not as well, much of a physical – Right, it's not as much yeah. of a physical demand. So for me with basketball, I say let them go. But here's my thing, and this is my biggest issue with all of this. Everyone keeps saying give the kids options, give them a, 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 a safety uh, landing spot. Right. No. If you want to come out of high school and go to the NBA, go. If you don't get picked, you're just out there. Don't try to run back to college – you know, for this soft, cushy land. No. If you're going to – because the biggest thing we're Decisions not – Decisions have consequences. Well, yeah, and the yeah. biggest thing we're not teaching right now is for kids – because we need to teach kids to make educated decisions. But if you make a bad decision and you're 18, why shouldn't you get a mulligan on it and get to go to college and get a second chance at it? I'm not why? saying you can't you go, can go to, to college. college. I'm just saying I'm not going to yeah. pay for it. That That's – because because at some point we have to start to teach accountability – for decisions. I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. So you say you can go to college and you can play sports. We're just not going to give you a scholarship. Uh, you Because to me, you sacrifice that option 
by declaring when you did, especially in the thing that it, it doesn't bother me for guys like LeBron James and Kobe, those type of guys. Right. That doesn't bother me. No, it's the me. guy that never sniffs. It's the Corleone Young. What are you doing? Right, but if you make a bad decision, why do you have to live with the decision? Why can't you drop back and punt and say, okay, I didn't get drafted. I overvalued myself. I had too big an ego, but now I want to go play at Texas and get better and get another chance at it. Here's the thing. Maybe that, to your point, I get what you mean. Why are we throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak? But at the same time, at what point do we help these kids learn to make better decisions? At what point do we put a deterrent there so that they are sure and confident in their decision? Because essentially... For years, we've said, right, we need to give these kids more options. We need to give them more opportunity uh, to have control of their situations. They have that now. Um, and maybe the answer is, okay, if you make that decision, then you can only, you're can only you only eligible for a scholarship at Division Two. The problem there is now, now we're allowing the NCAA to put something on these kids that maybe, to your point, isn't quite fair. Because it's an 18-year-old kid that made a decision. My biggest issue is these are 17, 18-year-old kids that are giving, given consistently a plethora of information that tells them, no, you should not go to the draft right now, right. and they do it anyway. Now, granted, these are also kids that have been told their entire life, live your dream, don't let anybody tell you you can't be whatever it is, right? right. Uh, you have kids, Mike, yeah. you know. You're not going to tell your son, no, you can't be the president of the United States or whatever the case may right, be, right. because that's what well, we maybe want. Not. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what we want kids to believe. Right, right, right. But at the same time, we also want kids to know and understand how to process information and use it the right way, and don't just completely go against the grain just because. Well, I think I can go against the grain, and I think there's a middle ground somewhere. To your point, Dave, that we've got to find but with these kids. I, I think the other thing in society that we've done that's been maybe a disservice, though, is you have to learn from your bad decisions. Right, and and you know what? Maybe the answer now, the G League apparently has raised the bar in terms right. of what they're willing to pay kids um, that decide not to go to college. Um, the uh, Alliance of American Football is there now for kids that don't want to go play college football. So there's that too, and maybe that's the answer. Better developed minor league systems to give these kids options to really develop their skills. And then on the flip side, the one thing I would say to a whole lot of people, particularly with football, if there wasn't any college football, would Jadavian Clowney coming out of Rock Hill South Point, would he have been the number one pick in the draft Don't coming out of high school? I, I would argue that if he didn't show his wares at the collegiate level against what many would call – uh, similarly talented players, there's no way he's drafted that high. Right. I would say the same thing with Trevor Well, Lawrence. that hit against Michigan in the, in that, the bowl game. Exactly right, right. But, but if he gets drafted in the second round or late in the first round out of high school, instead of wasting three years where he didn't make any money, he's earning yeah. an income. He's that much closer to being a free agent. By making someone go to college, you are limiting their earnings. I agree. And guess what? Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, you're on the clock. Yeah, but here's the other thing too. No, but here's but here's the other thing when it comes to this just goes to body type. Weird example, but I remember a baseball player we had in Kannapolis, um, Chris Young, who played a bunch of years, um, I think last was with the Red Sox, outfielder. Uh we were talking one time and you know, he, he said he, he was waiting for his man strength to come in. Mm-hmm. And there is that element, yeah, you could come out at eighteen or nineteen, Dave, but you know, why Why do guys, uh, why do parents hold kids back like in high school or even before that? I'm not suggesting it's a good decision. I just don't understand why you shouldn't have the decision to make. I, I, well, here, now that's a very good point because with that, the, I think that's the operative question. Why isn't it their decision to make? And but why sometimes it, it's, it shouldn't be their decision. Well, if, you're I, not, if you're physically not ready to play in the NFL, you should stay where you are and get, get ready. Why do we have a limit on how old th- you have to be to run for president? Why, why do you have to be 35 years old? If you're 25 years old and you can get enough votes to win, why shouldn't you be able to win? Look, that, that listen. Hold on, let me get the DeLorean. Let's go back to uh, – <laughs> let's go talk John, John, I, I, John Adams. I think football – I think the three and done in football is smart. 
I just do I'm not from saying a physical it doesn't standpoint. work. I'm just saying if you're Trevor Lawrence, yeah. the next two years, you're going to have to buy a very expensive insurance policy because if you get knocked out what? and Life's never not play fair. again. I mean, that's the, the rules of the rules. Well, first of all, these are colleges are going to make Yeah, we are. We're going to change the rules. All right, that's because, that makes a lot of sense. Because the rules from the 1800s don't make sense today. The school rules evolve. First but, of but all, the reason why this is a discussion. one guy. You're not talking. Yeah, if you. There's more than one guy. Two should be in the NFL, too. The reason why this is a discussion is because the money is public now that's yes. the reason why yeah, it's a absolutely. discussion absolutely. because 15 years ago when we didn't know how much the number one pick in the draft made or we could only guess no one cared 20 years ago when well, you didn't know what these, 20 years ago too. The, the money was smaller yeah. that's a and lack that's, of information lack hurts. of information hurts and a plethora of information is even more dangerous we've got a lot of information on kyler murray right now yeah. baseball football when you watch him and he's five nine or five nine and a half something like that when you watch him on a football field how good an nfl quarterback can he be i think he can be as good as anybody else the the argument uh, and the question i have uh, with the exception of really patrick mahomes and, and baker mayfield is is on his way to uh, name me one guy that's come out of that system that's been effective. Whether you look at Brandon Whedon, mm. whether you look at Cliff Kingsbury himself, whether you look at Graham Harrell, I mean, I can go on and on with the Dana Holgerson, Mike Gundy, Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Leach quarterback tree. A lot of those guys just have not been successful uh, in the NFL, and that's the only question you have. I think the thing that's really helping Kyler Murray is that Baker Mayfield is having some success. Drew Brees still at 40 years old, just turned 40 this week, is still having some success. Those shorter quarterbacks, Russell Wilson as well, the fact that those guys are continually having success, that's what's opening the door to this right now because if those guys were struggling and if Patrick Mahomes was also struggling, who came out of a similar system at, at Texas Tech under Kingsbury, if, if Just think about this. If Mahomes was struggling right now and Baker Mayfield was struggling right now, there would be no discussion about Kyler Murray as a top-flight NFL quarterback. So here's the question. Should Kyler Murray stay in the NFL or should he try to play baseball? Go be a shortstop, son. Go get your money. <laughs> what, what about as a football prospect, though? If you're somebody that's looking to draft a quarterback, is he a – top 10 pick a first round pick is he the top quarterback available like based on everything you just said Mahomes is having success Baker Mayfield is having success but there's major questions with coming out of those kind of run and shoot sort of systems and he's short and there's the threat of him switching and playing baseball where do you draft him I, for me, I, I'm not in love with Kyler Murray, uh, and it's weird because I wasn't in love with Baker Mayfield last year. I didn't like really anybody in that quarterback class, to be honest with you, um, to, to chase at the top of the draft. I didn't like anybody in the top ten personally. Um, I've been proven wrong, and it happens. It is what it is. Mostly right, though. Yeah, mostly right. And, and on the flip side with Kyler Murray, I, he's got a lot of physical tools, um, but if you look at some of the stuff they're doing offensively, he's not being asked to read a whole lot. And that's what scares me is in the NFL, you're going to have to process information. Now, on the flip side, the way the game is changing in the NFL, depending on what coach gets them, they're probably going to run a lot of the same stuff that Lincoln Riley is running uh, to make it a little bit easier. And, 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 and that's, that's the change we're seeing in the NFL is th there's a lot more. In the past, it was running plays, running uh, you know, sets and systems. Now it's concepts. And one of the first guys, I can't believe I'm using this name, but one of the one of the guys that did that in college years ago, um, and it's caught on to a lot of other people, um, was down at Baylor. Art Bryles went to a concept system as opposed to a play-based system. They run a lot of concepts in that offense. And so what it is is it's kind of a read on the fly, but it's not really a read on the fly. They run a concept, and based on what they're doing, it's going to be this throw or that throw, and there's nothing else to figure out. Kyler Murray's doing a lot of that. In the NFL, if he gets the right coach, that's what's going to happen, and he'll be successful. If he gets a system guy, for instance, if he goes to a guy like John Gruden, you can forget about it because it's not going to work um, with Kyler Murray because I don't think he has that skill set mentally from an acumen standpoint to process. One of the guys that does, and people don't realize it, is actually Lamar Jackson because Bobby Petrino is a great X and O guy and really taught that. What a lot of people also don't understand, all the running they saw from Lamar Jackson at Louisville, he was not allowed to run the football in practice or in, in spring. Hmm. Bobby Petrino told him, you cannot run the football. If you don't make the throw, it's a sack. 
Period. So you, do you like his long-term outlook? I love it. I love it. If you look at Lamar Jackson, first of all, the most important thing you can do, and I said this about Trevor Lawrence going into the national championship game, if he can't protect himself, he's going to be in trouble. Lamar Jackson was not protected against the Chargers, period. Right. He wasn't. Anytime a guy that athletic gets sacked six times, the offensive line is putrid at best, period. There is no way around that. It's unacceptable how that big physical offensive line got dominated in the trenches the way they did against the Chargers. It's a pretty good defense, the Chargers. They got Bosa and Melvin Ingram, those guys, which, by the way, I'll get into Melvin Ingram in a second. <laughs> there is no way defensively they should be able to dominate that offensive line the way they did. And and, and to the Melvin Ingram point, yeah. here, let me throw this at you. Melvin Ingram, Jadavian Clowney, Devin Taylor were all on the same defensive line at South Carolina. And that team didn't win more than 10 games. I'm going to leave you with that. All right. When you look at the college guys draft eligible this year, and we talked quite a bit about Murray, who do you see? Is there a quarterback? You didn't like the quarterbacks last year. Mayfield has proved to be pretty darn good. You like Lamar Jackson. Is there a quarterback in this class that you would spend a top one, top two, top three pick with? Ooh, man, that is tough. Um, because there's some guys out there that have some talent. Um, I love Dwayne Haskins, though. I mean, I would, I would, I would build an organization around him. He's got all the physical tools. He can make the throws, and and he's good enough with his legs. He's not like I can't. I don't like to compare players. I really don't. But to give someone a sense of what I feel like when he starts moving around within the pocket, because he doesn't always, unless it's a quarterback design run, he doesn't look to run the football. He'll move around the pocket to make a throw. He reminds me of John Elway when he does that. Mm. So do he you like around. him enough that I you would draft him. him over an Ed Oliver or somebody yes. at a different position? Yes, absolutely. Especially if quarterback is my issue. It's a quarterback-driven league now. And if you yeah. don't have a guy that can really be uh, the focal point of what you're doing, the focal point of your program, your organization, you're going to get beat. And I think Dwayne Haskins has all those tools. Now, the other thing I would say, if it were me – I would prefer to have a veteran quarterback that's maybe on his way out. Um, you know, I think the So you're the one that wants Eli Manning. Uh, yeah, and and the reason here's the thing. I think the Saints are in a perfect situation with Teddy Bridgewater. Taysom Hill will never be a starting quarterback there. Teddy Bridgewater, he can learn from Drew Brees maybe another year and then Drew says, "All right, I'm done." Bridgewater's been there a couple of years. He knows the system, he knows the offense. He understands how they prepare. But you're going to pay him next year? I think he's a free agent. Yeah, right? you can you're, pay him, but he's not it, it, He's not going to command that kind of money. That no crazy money. Ten fifteen? No, no shot. He commands that five million. Probably is the most he's going to command. I disagree. I, I think he's going to get more than that. He's a young guy. He's he a talented is. guy. Right. Sean Payton used a third round draft pick for him. Yeah, but more than that, more. That's the the other reason why they'll they'll keep him there. But the other piece of that is, unless he's going to be a starter, I'm not paying him more than five million dollars a year. And I don't think people envision him as a starter right now for them. Um, I think he's in a perfect scenario. I think if you're a place like the New York Giants, because I think Eli Manning has another year, if you're an organization like the Giants, now they have a lot of other holes, um, so I don't know if you go Dwayne Haskins here because they have a lot of other holes, but that's a perfect scenario. I, I've always said this. When, it was, when Andrew Luck was drafted by the Colts, what would have been so wrong because of the rookie weight scale now? What is so wrong with letting Andrew Luck, or in this case Dwayne Haskins, sit in a meeting room with a Manning for a year? Why, I mean, why is that Patrick bad? Mahomes did. Yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with sitting in a meeting room with a veteran in the NFL who knows how to play the game for a year. You're going to learn a lot. But you're if you're going a to team learn. like Tampa Bay or Miami, and you're not going to win immediately, Miami obviously doesn't have a quarterback. Tampa Bay's going to watch Teddy Brit or watch uh, watch James. Jameis Winston for another year. Why not give ten million dollars to Teddy Bridgewater and say, hey? We're going to watch this guy for a while, just like the Saints did this year. And next year, when we have a major decision to make, are we going to use a top five pick on a quarterback or are we going to sign a high-priced free agent? We've had this guy in the room for the year and we know what we've got. I love that concept. And you're 100% right. The problem is you're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> an organization that ran Lovey Smith off to keep Dirk Cutter yeah. to develop Jameis Winston. That hasn't happened. 
and you're talking about the Miami Dolphins who bet the farm on Ryan Tannehill, a guy that played wide receiver. It could be the Broncos. The guy that played wide receiver for three and a half years at Texas A&M, and you're going to bet the franchise on him being an elite quarterback in this league? That makes no sense. The Broncos, listen, at some point, and I understand that John Elway won two Super Bowls as a player and brought Peyton Manning in and won another Super Bowl as an executive. At some point, we need to talk about why he hasn't gotten – Anybody, particularly in this case, Vance Joseph, why that man didn't have a quarterback in his three years at running the helm there. That's unacceptable. That's I, I absolutely think unacceptable. getting more money. And I think it might come from the Saints. I mean, I, I think they might keep him and hold on to him, but I, I don't think I don't think he can get him for five million dollars. But who, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see. And I think it and it'll probably be if he stays in New Orleans, it's probably going to be an incentive laden contract. Yeah. They'll have all kinds of stuff. There could be a wink wink nod nod right. to this is Drew Brees' last but, year. Yeah, I mean if you're if you're Teddy Bridgewater, why wouldn't you give it a year or two to see how that plays out? And well I think they're gonna have here's why you gotta love what Sean Payton's doing because he's smart enough. He'll have that conversation. He'll sit down with Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater, probably at the same time, and say, hey, Drew, what are you thinking here? How much longer do you think you're going to play? Um, you know, we feel like maybe Teddy's the heir apparent. I just need to know how we can play this because we've got some salary cap things yeah. to figure out. If you really think about it, that's the problem. one of the problems in Pittsburgh because Roethlisberger was talking about retiring, so then they go draft Landry Jones, and then he's offended. Because they went and drafted, well, shut your yeah. mouth and tell us exactly what you're going to do. It's yeah. not that hard. Yeah. Well, let's circle back to Mike's favorite team, the Patriots. What's their plan at quarterback? That's the problem. You, you th th That's the well, biggest Brady problem. Seems Brady seems think to think he he's going to play, play forever, yeah. and, and that's not a problem. Right. As long as Belichick and Mr. Kraft understand and know what the plan is, if the three of them are on the same page, it's not a problem. But it doesn't appear that there is a plan because Brady's gone from an A-plus to a B or a B-minus. He's right. still really good, but like you said, he's winning games by outsmarting people. Yep. Like He's not going back from a B-minus to an A-plus. It's only going to get worse. Right, right. Father well, Time's going to catch up with him. Well, Father Time is undefeated, first of all. Trust me, I know that better than anybody. <laughs> um, but the, the interesting thing with this is going to be, uh, in my opinion, I think that it's all going to happen at once. I think... Brady's going to retire. Belichick's going to retire. Gronk's mm. going to retire. I think it's all going to happen in the same offseason. I think Gronk might go first, though. Uh, Gronk's not going to. Gronk, here's the thing. Gronk wanted to retire two years ago. Brady keeps playing. Yeah. He so might, he's, he might stay he's sticking Brady, around yeah. until Brady's done. You don't think Belichick's ego is such that he doesn't want to prove he can win without Brady? I do. I think he I think he would stick around a year or two just to I, see if he could. It depends on the situation. If Brady. if Here's, here's what I'll say. You'll know. If they were on the same page, if he sticks around, all right. They're, if they're, Brady abruptly retires and Belichick didn't see it coming, he will walk because he doesn't have a plan in place. The one thing about Bill Belichick is, whatever the league is doing, they go to the next thing first. They're always out in front. But I think that's the reason why he probably would stick around because okay, now we don't have. But think of it just like if Brady gone to an injury, they're going to figure out the next thing. And I think they have that mentality that. You know they were the ones that made Brady, and I think they have that mentality. They can they're like quarterback whispers. I I don't disagree with that. I think the problem becomes when they're look how much money they made Matt Castle. Right. If he's and and, and Jacoby Brissett Jimmy and Jimmy Garoppolo, and I can go on and on and on down the list. Matt Castle was a bum, by the way. Uh, that that's just an aside. <laughs> I had to say that. <laughs> But at the okay. end of the day... Matt Castle loves the bearded car cast. I'm sure he does. Shout out to Matt Castle. Not anymore. Um, no, he doesn't. He's done with... Well, he still loves the bearded car cast. He just doesn't want me on the bearded car cast anymore. <laughs> okay, we'll get the story on that later. But he found a way to go 11-5. and five. I yeah. mean, eh, what are you going to do? Didn't make the playoffs. He did not make the playoffs. Yeah. That's the interesting piece of that. But I think, I think with Belichick, if Brady retires and there's no one that he feels like he can win with in place, that'll tell you that he didn't know it was coming. Yeah. Because if he feels like it's coming, he's going to have someone in place. So I'd be very curious to see what they do in the draft this year because if they go quarterback, that might signify that yeah. he thinks it might be coming. But I see Belichick as being one of those guys that just will never retire because he can't retire. Because what's he going to do? Uh, he's an arrogant prick that <laughs> will probably find his way to TV. But you know what? Here's what I'll say about that. He's got the right to be an arrogant prick when it comes to football. Yeah. Because all he does is win, and it doesn't yeah. matter who's there. Yeah. He finds a way to win. What do you think about the Panthers before we... That, that's that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Let's wrap up with a quarterback down the road here. We're not sure how his shoulder is. And he... Like, 
if Cam Newton's career ended right now, what would the headline say? What would the article say? What What is the legacy of Cam Newton? Hall of Fame potential, no opportunity to finish it. Mm. That's the headline, and that's probably a really long. What do you byline. mean, no opportunity? Well, if he gets hurt, if he it, well, he is hurt. If he can't finish his career, if he's done, he didn't get a chance to to, to finish it. That's essentially yeah. what the headline like will unfinished be: unfinished career, unfinished business, if yeah. you will. Um, look, he's he's physically one of the marvels of the game. Um, the interesting thing about Cam, when you watch him play, and I've said this for years. When he's running, particularly, he doesn't look like he's moving that fast. And then all of a sudden, you look at how much ground he covered, and you yeah. go, man, he was moving really fast. Right. Um, he's a long, striding kind of glider for as big as he is. Um, I think the issue for him is in the passing game. He just hasn't totally turned that corner. And we started to see it this year with North Turner. He hadn't totally turned that corner as a passer in terms of processing information, making those reads down the field. Um, and then... Mechanically, but he, but he's, he's not been 19 awful. years old. Why? Mechanically, he's atrocious. That's part of the problem. And he's just been able to get away with that because he's so physically talented. That's exactly right. And that's part of the problem. And I, I've asked uh, several people this question. Um, is he just not listening when it's being coached on technique? Or does he just not have the acumen to process the information? And I think it's the former rather than the latter. He's just not listening. Um, this is a guy that consistently throws off his back foot. And and let's do the math. It's a shoulder problem. That's what happens when you make every throw with nothing but your shoulder. Mm. You're not stepping into throws. You're not using the right arm angles at times. You're doing everything with your shoulder. And now you have a shoulder problem that, quite frankly, is probably going to end his career. Right, so he's not old, but he's been dinged up, and he's been here quite a while. If you're the brain trust of the Panthers, are you continuing to build around him? Maybe your most talented player, or are you beginning to look beyond him? I think you got to start looking beyond, and there's two reasons for it. Number one, an injury like this that essentially— now, he got dinged in the Tampa game, which is really what exasperated this issue with his shoulder— but generally speaking, this is an injury that's been lingering for a couple of years right. that just is a problem that he can't get over. And when it really got bad this season, the answers from not only him but the doctors and the front office was we don't know exactly why it's this bad. When you start getting the we don't know, that's a problem. That's number one. Number two, you've got a franchise that just changed owners and just had a colossal collapse once they got to the halfway mark of the season. They were this was a 6 and 2 football team that yeah. finished 7 and 9. I don't care what anybody says and I I I I like the coaching staff there. I think it's a good group. They're coaching for their jobs in 2019. And when you're coaching for your job, you can't hope that Heineke can get you to the playoffs if if Cam Newton can't play. They're I expect them to either draft or in free agency find a quarterback that has the ability to win games in this league to try to get themselves in the playoffs. Because if they don't, I hate to say it, Ron Ron could be dealing with a job issue because of the collapse at the end of the year, and then not make because one here's the one kind of Are the mulligan. Panthers closer to winning the Super Bowl or drafting in the top five and starting over. If they don't fix that offensive line, they're closer to drafting in the top five and starting over. Because that offense, part of the problem, e e even if you look at the Cam history, he gets hit a lot. He takes a, a lot, lot of sacks. Yeah. And that's part he, of the problem. And he problem. hides a lot of the problem. He hides a lot of the problem with his legs. He hides a lot. They hid a lot of the problem this year with the short passing game. That offensive line has been an absolute abject disaster really the last couple of years, and what I've been saying for the last couple of years, and you and I talked about this, Mike, going into last year's draft, you can find offensive linemen everywhere in the draft. For me, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, after I get to the fourth, once I get past the fourth round, because I get the Dante Jackson pick, it was a good pick, I get all those picks. Fourth round and later, 
I'm not picking anything but offensive linemen. I'm going to create enough of a battle, enough of a competition, enough of a, a, a boatload of talent at that position. We're going to be able to protect our $100 million investment. That's what you have to do. If you're going to give a quarterback 80 to $100 million, ask the Rams because Jared Goff yeah. is getting ready to get paid. They went and got an offensive line first. That's what you have to do. If you can't protect the quarterback or open holes in your running game, you're not going to win in this league. Chico, you got enough grills, man? Yeah, well... All right, so the, the this one's a, the one on the left is a Vermont Casings, uh, and it's old, and I don't want to give up on it because it's a great grill, but it just it just needs a lot of work. And but I didn't have the time to do it, so we just went out and got a. <laughs> eventually, it's going to go up to the curb, I think. I love grills. Unfortunately, I, I know you grills. do. It's fun. Maybe I'll donate it. to What the type Hoftonians. of grill do you have? Uh, I have a char griller. It's a it's a big boy. I mean, it's I mean my grill is not small. It's funny because. This man can grill. Someone asked me, she's like, hey, I'm doing something for my daughter's birthday. Can you do the burgers and dogs? I'm like, sweetheart, I don't fire up my grill for burgers and dogs because <laughs> it's all charcoal. It's no gas. It's all charcoal. I'm like, yeah. I need, like, you better show up with a whole lot for me to fire this thing up because it's going to take a while. Uh-uh. Not me. Not this guy. So we did, Reggie and I did with Plan C, we did uh, Hospitality House. We cooked uh, lunch last, last year. And we did a, we, we got way too much pork tenderloin. Yeah. But that was good, man. That was. Is there so much thing as too much pork Oh, yeah. Pork we get, uh, we, uh, what do we have, four? And I think we only we had needed four, two. We had two, yeah. Sounds like someone's eating leftovers. No, we did. Yeah, I don't know who took one home, but someone no, I, took so one I, home. So I ended up taking it home. And good. We, um, we ended up freezing it and then we unfroze no we so we and then during the football season um one of the one of the dads who lives down the street one of john's buddies uh dads we uh went over there and uh he, he grilled it up smart Perfect. that's yeah. how you do it yeah it was good that's called a meal on layaway right there <laughs> i like that <laughs> you got a plan he got, <laughs> plan a b c and d no, but Reggie has like a whole like he doesn't have he has a system. He's got like the the you know like the poker case of yeah. chips. He's got like the thing yeah, got like double kit. the size of that. Yeah. And it's got all. The yeah, I got a kit. Yeah. You know Nicole's buddy uh, Ivan, the pilot yeah. who lives in Rock Hill. He's got a whole a whole deal going on. Does he? Well, and Reggie, uh, we can't divulge the secrets here. I mean, this is like the nuclear launch codes. But, <laughs> but he's exactly. got some serious spices and rubs. And oh yeah, marinades. Oh yeah, I do my thing. I, it. Uh, What's your favorite dish? Uh, grill wise, my favorite thing to do is uh either a smoked brisket mm. or uh a smoked deer ham. Uh, deer ham takes about fourteen to Where sixteen do you hours. Get um, I have a guy that has a uh, he's got, got a, a deer ham guy. Yeah, I got a deer ham guy. He's got a his dad's got a cabin down in South Carolina, so I get with him. Nice. And, Get deer hams and and do it like that. So it's good times. We made a mistake in not uh, inviting Reggie to cook. Time to go grilling at Reggie's house. We're grilling at Reggie's. I'm down with that. We can make it happen. I All mean, right. you know why not? We love food, right? We do love food. We do love food. Thanks, man. Anytime, man. Bearded Carcast. Let me know. I'm in. Sounds good. All right, follow along. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com if you want to email us at Bearded Carcast. How you follow us on Twitter? Make sure you check out SoundCloud and iTunes.